You need to be living in the city for more than 30 days. That's it. There's no check on citizenship. There's no check on anything. It's just, have you been here 30 days? Yes, you can vote. That's the rule. So, so this is this is kind of like giving the foxes control of the hen out seat. So, Brian, you uh, recently wrote an op-ed talking about Early's lawsuit to strike down the D.C. alien voting law. So, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about this law and what it does in D.C.? Sure. This is just the latest iteration of a trend that's been going on around the country. You've got communities spurred on by these activist groups that are pushing to have laws implemented on the local level that allow non-citizens to vote, in particular illegal people here illegally. What's the term we use, Matt? Unlawful migrants. We don't want to use that IA Right. Word. See how I caught myself? We might get in trouble with the tube. Right. Unlawful migrants. So what's different about this? The D.C. effort is one of the most extreme efforts to have non-citizen voting in the country. So, so let me stop you for a second. When you, when you say non-citizen voting, how does this work? Who does it let vote in, in the D.C. elections? So the, the reason why it's one of the most extreme is because the only qualification it has for people to vote in D.C. elections, this is for city council, this is for mayor and other positions, you need to be living in the city for more than 30 days. That's it. Right. There's no check on citizenship. There's no check on anything. It's just, have you been here 30 days? Yes, you can vote. That's the rule. So we're in the capital of the free world. And this city, anybody who lives here, I mean, we've all experienced this, is crawling with diplomats. Uh, you can't go out without seeing a motorcade from some kind of uh, diplomatic mission. Right. So this would allow foreign diplomats living in the District of Columbia to vote in American municipal elections that govern the capital of the United States. It's it's that deranged. It almost sounds like a Babylon B headline, but it's true. You could have diplomats from countries that are either covertly or, or overtly hostile to the United States, like China, like Iran, like a host of other countries. Their diplomats would be eligible to vote if this were to go forward. So let's run through the permutations of this. This is anyone who has lived in the district for 30 days yes so unlawful migrants yes foreign diplomats yes foreign intelligence agents as far as we know if they're here 30 days i don't think they'd get pushback foreign lobbyists 30 days so this is this is kind of like giving the foxes control of the hen house Yes, and, and the thing is, and, and now this is where it gets interesting because Early is at the forefront of this. When the day this went into effect in D.C., Early's litigation department filed a lawsuit to stop it. They've got a former candidate for D.C. mayor as well as six other D.C. residents as plaintiffs, and they were the first one to file pushback against this. So we're going to see where it goes. So 
you know, we all live here in, in, in what's colloquially referred to as the DMV, which is the uh, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia in the surrounding area in the commuting district. For, for our viewers who aren't familiar with how these things work, can you explain how, how do laws get passed in the District of Columbia? Well, it's, it's a little different from what most people expect because D.C. is not a state although there's a push for statehood. So they have a thing called the Home Rule Act, which I believe was passed in 1973, which basically states that any law that the city or the district passes has to be approved by Congress. So this law has to go through the House of Representatives first and then the Senate. The House, it, it's, it's a debate, as you can imagine. A lot of the pro-enforcement contingent in the Congress are pushing back against this and the anti-borders people are for it of course so I believe the House voted against it but then it goes to the Senate where there's a very slim Democrat majority I don't believe they're even going to take it up because Chuck Schumer is the majority leader there and he's not going to want to do anything to curtail the flow of people here unlawfully so it's probably going to die there not to mention the fact that Biden would have to sign it as well, and we know his agenda. So we recently had another bill passed here in D.C., or I should say another bill that went up uh, for review to Congress was passed by the city council, reducing the penalties for a whole bunch of crimes, murder, rape, carjacking, all this other stuff. Um, that were, were violent felonies that in most places would incur some si pretty significant penalties. And this was so egregious that even Muriel Bowser, the extremely radically progressive left mayor of D.C., right. had issues with it. N now, when you combine something like that with the right for non-citizens to vote in, in D.C. Doesn't this potentially create the situation where, say, like cartel members uh, could force a ballot measure to make drug dealing lawful in the District of Columbia? And if there was a uh, left-leaning enough, crazy enough administration in charge of the White House, this could actually, you know, get past Congress and signed. It, it's certainly possible. And, and this is just the latest version of what we've seen in other big cities like New York, San Francisco, St. Louis, th there's been just this watering down of, of the criminal laws to where they just don't prosecute them. And a lot of people have speculated that this is not uh, this um, awakening by these Democrats to oppose this. We're coming into presidential election season, so... Biden is not declared officially, but it's widely presumed that he will. He has to create a fig leaf for himself when he runs because the statistics do not look good, the crime statistics around the country. People seeing these smash-and-grab robberies all over the place, it's not a good look for someone trying to say, give me four more years. So at the risk of getting into political predictions or whatever, it, it really looks like Biden is trying to cover himself. He's trying to give himself some cover to say, I'm actually tough on crime. What are you talking about? I oppose the D.C. crime bill. And then, so he drew the line there, but people here unlawfully voting, it seems like they're, they're okay with allowing that to go through. Well, it, it seems to me you have to look beyond just the, the unlawful voting. I mean, the fact is that 
this is a sensitive area. I mean, there, there's certainly places that we can't go here in D.C. Uh, you know, Marine Corps headquarters down on 8th and I is, uh, is surrounded by armed guards. Uh, the ATF, which is a few blocks from where we, we sit, is uh, pretty heavily fortified. Um, you know, virtually every building here has tight security. So it just seems shocking to me that we would invite foreign nationals to vote in our elections when that essentially opens the United States up, particularly the capital city, to all kinds of undue foreign influence. Now, prior to, to the bill, was there anything in terms of legislative justification uh, for this that was offered by the parties that supported it? Well, the thing that is often said for justifying Voting. I have to correct myself every time I'm about to say what that's actually called. But oh, don't say that word. The voting, tube will be angry with you. Non-citizen voting. Let's just say that as a catch-all term. But they'll say, well, they live here too. They're in the community. Why shouldn't they have the right to vote? And as we've discussed on this program before, there are several reasons, not the least of which is the fact that these people have no grounding in what it takes to be a U.S. citizen. The people who come here lawfully and pursue the legal course of citizenship are required to take civics courses and they learn things about this country, what, how our system works, things of that nature. These people who just got here 30 days ago have had no such background. Therefore, they, not only are they diluting the vote of people here legally, but they are voting on things based on their knowledge from a very different political environment where there could be dictators, there could be things like Sharia law, which we've discussed. They're going to vote based on that knowledge. So it really throws a wrench into what our voting process was designed to be. I think the other thing that's scary about this is, uh, you know, the law rests on distinctions of, of all different types. And that notion that, well, they live here, so they should get a say. I mean, anybody who has children typically your children don't get a say in running your household. Right. And, and the reason for that is they're children. There's a legal distinction between them and you. Children can't sign, you know, to, to take out a mortgage. And, uh, you know, they can't contract business the way that adults can. And, you know, you look at other distinctions. There's, there's a distinction legally between married single people. There is a distinction between, uh, you know, people on the basis of age. If you want to drive a car and you're 14, it doesn't matter if you can drive like Mario Andretti or like Jason Statham in the transporter. The fact is, you're not going to get a license because you don't meet the age requirement. So I, I, I'm, I've never been quite sure why the fact that people showed up, many of them uninvited, and became guests in the United States all of a sudden entitles them to a say in our political system. Um, even if they are invited guests, they're only here as tourists temporarily. Um, and that's the thing that really blows my mind about this. I mean, thinking about this as uh, as somebody who worked for ICE Citizenship and uh, Immigration Services, as well as being an immigration judge, typically tourists are admitted for about six months. So somebody who decided they uh, came here to go to Disney World and uh, stopped in D.C. on the way and happened to like it, could register a vote if they stayed for 30 days. That's mind-boggling. Right. We also have, we've also looked at this in the past, the, the birth tourism movement where 
wealthy people from other countries will come here for the express purpose of having a child in America to get that citizenship. If they're here for 30 days, which if they've got the kind of money it takes to do that, they can probably easily do that, they're voting as well. So you just got people with no stake in the game deciding who your leaders are going to be. And there's just something fundamentally wrong about that. Well, and, and and the thing is, they could vote themselves a stake in the game. I mean, the fact right. is, most of them want to stay here. And, uh, you know, D.C. is a sanctuary jurisdiction. Uh, so, you know, who knows uh, what kind of things could transpire from this. Um, we need to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about Early's lawsuit and, and how Early is attempting to stop this from happening. We'll be right back. I'm Tom Holman. The Biden administration is reversing America's progress on immigration, reversing ICE's ability to deport criminal illegal aliens, reversing job protections for Americans, and construction of the wall. That's why I've joined Early, the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Early uses the courts to stop bad immigration policies. Join me. Support Early at Early.org. Help win the immigration fight in the courtroom. Paid for by the Immigration Reform Law Institute. So, Matt, we were talking about this D.C. voting law. Tell us, from a legal perspective, you're a lawyer, you're a former immigration judge, what is the argument here why this law should be struck down, and and what do you think of the prospects of it? Uh, Sure. So, voting typically in the United States has been tied to uh, citizenship, to being a member of the polity. And the, the gold standard for, for voting is citizenship. Now, there have, over, over the history of the United States, been some circumstances in which uh, lawful permanent residents, people who had the sanction of the government to be here, were permitted to vote in, like, school board elections and things that directly affected them. That's the exception. It happened rarely many years earlier in history. It's not the rule. The rule is, generally speaking, that in order to be a participant in the political decision-making community, you have a period of residence here in which you have learned about how things work and have become a member of the community, and then you obtain citizenship, which makes you a formal part of the political community. And so w- the issue that this raises is is a equal protection issue. So what would you say to someone from, say, Alaska or Arizona, somewhere far removed from the nation's capital that might be watching this and say, well, that's too bad for Washington. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want that myself, but that's so far away. I mean, that w- what does the inner workings of Washington government have to do with me? Why, why is this important to them, or why should it be important to them as well? There are a couple of reasons, all of them uh, important. Perhaps the most significant is that this may be coming to a town near you. Uh, this has happened in California. New York had a similar bill that was struck down by the uh, New York State Supreme Court as being invalid under the Empire State's Constitution. I believe Chicago uh, permitted at one time uh, unlawfully present, I don't want to say the IA word and make the tube angry, uh, unlawfully present migrants to vote in school board elections and uh, locally nearby D.C. under the uh, guidance of the wise and powerful Jamin Raskin, uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland, I believe, uh, put in place a law that allowed uh, anyone present to vote in uh, local municipal elections. Um, n- now, as far as the District of Columbia 
the District of Columbia, it's not a state. By the Constitution, it's a federal enclave. It's different than a state, and it belongs to the entire United States. So typically, it was overseen by Congress. Uh, it, it's only, I think, in the 1970s that it, it formally got a mayor and a city council. Uh, and as we spoke about earlier, everything that they do needs to be approved by Congress. Um, so this is everyone in the United States city. It's our capital. And we don't want foreign nationals here being able to influence decisions that affect the running of the capital. That allows for, for undue foreign influence. And of course, the, the last reason why this is so significant is the broadest reason and perhaps the most important. What this does is it, it dilutes American voters' votes. It, it is an equal protection issue. We have a fundamental principle in our Constitution, one person, one vote. And so if you allow people who are not part of the political community or at best are a, a partial member of the political community to start casting votes, then what you wind up as a matter of constitutional law doing is you're undermining the votes of American citizens who have a legal right under the Constitution to make determinations uh, about these types of things. And, you know, if you're a U.S. citizen who moves to the District of Columbia, I think it's a pretty straightforward process to register to vote. And to the extent that there's any waiting period, it's relatively brief. Um, it, it's, it's a little different than moving state to state. I uh, one time moved from Massachusetts to New Jersey and wasn't able to vote in a presidential election because there was a, a time bar of like 60 to 90 days. Now, there were exceptions for that. I could have gone before a judge and claimed that I was going to be disenfranchised and that was a violation of my constitutional rights. So there's a, a process in place to deal with those things. But generally speaking, every U.S. citizen who hasn't had their, their right to uh, vote revoked because of commission of a felony or treason or something along those lines is entitled to cast a vote in a federal election and that vote is everybody's vote is supposed to have equal weight but if you all of a sudden start allowing people who are not citizens of the country and in this case have in some cases absolutely minimal contact a month of residence in the District of Columbia to start casting votes on matters which by definition are matters of federal concern because they're happening in the federal enclave you undermine the whole basis for citizenship and for voting in the United States. Another add-on to what you said about why this matters to everyone I don't think it can be stressed enough how much the, the anti-borders movement never sleeps. For most people who watch this, who support early, who are of the more common sense side of things, who see how this really is just spun out of control, you probably watch this show and then you go play with your children or you take your wife out to dinner or something. These people live, breathe, everything this. So what I mean to say is if something works like this in one community like Washington, they're going to replicate it elsewhere. They're not just going to say, oh, we got Washington, that's it. They're going to look at every other community they can to try to push something just like this through. So why does it matter? Because if it works here, they're probably going to push it where you live as well. Well, there's an end game here, Brian, and that's to extend all civil rights that citizens have identically to anyone from anywhere in the world who happens to have their feet on the ground in the United States. And, and it's essentially to erase any distinction 
between U.S. citizens and foreign nationals. And, and this is typically floated by people who believe that the United States is responsible for all the ills in the world and that bad conditions in other countries are a direct result of American action, usually American foreign policy, uh, but sometimes American monetary policy. Well, that's just ridiculous. I mean, we live in a big integrated whole, and there are all kinds of decisions that are made by all kinds of countries that affect all kinds of things around the world. This notion that somehow the United States is responsible for everything that has ever gone wrong in the world and uh, for, for every uh, you know, problem that anybody living outside of the United States has experienced is absurd. But as a practical matter, we're bordered on four sides by international borders. Within those borders, in our geographical territory, we have a finite amount of resources, like ability to grow food and ability to obtain water, and practically speaking, there, there was a, uh, a survey done by one of the big uh, polling organizations in conjunction with one of the UN entities a few years back. And they found that 700 million people in the world were dissatisfied with their situation and wished to relocate. And guess where they wanted to go? Right here in the U.S. Was, was the number one answer. Uh, Canada and uh, Western Europe, along with Australia and New Zealand, were were you know close follow-ups but the vast majority of people wanted to come here there's a couple of problems with that and like i said we don't have room enough for everybody but second of all if all 700 of those people came here do you think that the united states would remain like it is now right and lest anyone think that we're puffing this up to be bigger than it is this filing of this lawsuit by early got pretty significant coverage in media we're we're going to post the links down below of this show here, but uh, Epic Times, Fox News, Washington Times, National Review, among others, covered this, and you can read all the other details about it, but it, it, it's a pretty big deal. It is. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we appreciate you very much watching our show. Please hit the like button and visit www.irli.org for further information on Early and its mission and an opportunity to support Early's efforts. Thank you.